This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. Today, we wrap up my conversation with Deborah Driggs, insurance agent, mother, former model and actress, and Playboy Centerfold in March 1990, which incidentally makes her the playmate who immediately followed Pamela Anderson's first appearance in the magazine in February 1990. Last time, we talked about Deborah's divorce from U.S. gymnastics champion Mitch Gaylord and how she learned about the importance of communication as part of the grieving process that comes at the end of a marriage. In part two, we begin by discussing the role that fear plays when communicating in difficult situations, which we covered way back in the first two episodes of What to Say When Things Get Tough, almost a year ago now. Deborah also shares how she learned not to take no for an answer as a senior in high school when she convinced her government teacher to let her pass a class she had never attended by staying up all night to write a paper that summarized the class's entire textbook. Deborah used that experience to develop her no-means-maybe philosophy that has helped drive her success as an actress, model, investor, and insurance agent. And as a bonus, Deborah taught me how life insurance came to be. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Most of these things, too, are created out of fear. And, you know, how do you get out of fear? By having tons and tons of faith. Just get out of fear. And most of the things that cause those low spiraling anger, frustration, resentment, all that stuff that I used to sit in for too long. Too, I sat in that for way too long. And when you sit there for too long, it's just gunk. You know, and, and it's really hard to get out of when you sit there for too long. And so it really at the bottom, at the end of the day, at the bottom of this gunk is just one thing. And it's fear, fear of not being loved, fear of not being accepted, fear of being judged, fear of failing, fear of not having enough money, fear of my kids, fear of my ex, fear of this, fear of that. It's all fear. And so it's just, and then if you break down fear, it's false evidence appearing real. And then that's where the resentments come from, right? Because you've got all this, you think you have all this evidence against somebody. And most of the time now, my question, when I say get curious, I always, I ask this question now, and I don't like to say always, but most of the time now I'll say, is this true? Is this really true? And nine times out of 10, it's not, it's not true. It's my thoughts, my story. And they, there's a great saying, change your story, change your life. You know, if you change your story, you change your life. And so now when I talk about my divorce, I, I just, it's all like my story now is it wasn't that bad. He's a beautiful, he's a beautiful human being. 
Mm-hmm. We didn't, I didn't divorce him because of a, there was a lack of love. It was just where we were at the time. That sounds a lot better than he was a horrible human being. Da, 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 what, you know, it's like when you change the narrative, I can't attach any emotions to it other than what I, the story is. And if you tell the story that it was so bad, it was so, you know, and you hear people's stories, they get so, then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And guess what's going with it? Your emotion, all your emotion, all that energy, all that vibe is going with the story. So why not change the story? You know, like if I wanted to sit in the pain of my parents' divorce and the abandonment issues and the childhood trauma, I could sit there all day long, not going to serve me very well. Instead, I changed the story. So I chose this family when I was, you know, that's how I look at it uh, from a universal point of view. I chose this family. And so there's a lesson to be learned. What's the lesson? Get curious. Why did I choose these two people to be my parents? Where's the lesson? What, 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 you know, get curious. Why? And then how did I end up, you know, with my mother's, you know, it's like everything changes. Mm-hmm. in life so you if you get curious you get a better story you know? and you don't take it so seriously you know and I get a lot of trauma and abuse and neglect and abandonment I get all those things I've experienced them so I can sit in that trauma or I can change the story of it and I've had all those experiences so I love it when people write things down. People ask me all the time in business, what is your number one advice to people in entrepreneurs and business? I said, write everything down, everything. So when I go into meetings, I have a yellow pad or I'm kind of old school too. I still have a day planner book and I write everything down, especially on the day in my book. Cause so I can look back and remember who I met with. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's me old school. One of my favorite sayings is sometimes the old ways are still the best ways. I don't want to change anything, you know? Well, I like, you know, it's working. If it's working, if it's working, I don't want to change, you know? The field of risk communication is, is basically was developed to help communicate with people who are fearful. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, fearful for their health and well-being and the health and well-being of their people they care about. And so a lot of uh, my book, which, which I'll send you a copy of my book um, that you can. Uh, yeah, I would love that sleep too each evening, but um, it's a good uh, primer on sort of communicating difficult situations. But there's an entire chapter on fear and how we process fear because it really is, as you point out, at at the heart of a lot of difficult communication situations, ultimately the person you're trying to communicate with is afraid of something. And Yes. Oh, yes. That is a brilliant statement because if more people realize that, that usually the person you're upset with if you, if you really get curious and you sit back, it's usually the person you're upset with is definitely sitting in a lot of fear. And if you can have compassion, it can change the whole trajectory of this, of this dispute or this argument or this pain that you're feeling. If you just realize that people are in fear, you know? Yeah. And it's why empathy is, is the most powerful tool in those situations. It's such a huge tool. About yourself and to the best you can put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your day and I've got a lot more questions. So let me, <laughs> let me 
one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and looking again through your bio, uh, I know you were an ice skater and said earlier that pursuit sort of fell apart in the wake of your parents' divorce. I take it that you also had some trouble in school and sort of found yourself on the verge of not being able to graduate, but that you worked with a teacher, I think, to sort of find a way for you to to complete your coursework and to graduate. And, and in that process, you learn how not to take no for an answer. Yes. So, you know, after my parents got divorced, I, I was going to a private Catholic school up until eighth grade. And then after high, after grade school, going into high school, I didn't know where I was going to go to high school. I ended up at a high school called Losinger in Hawthorne. Going into high school, I was getting very good grades. I got accepted to Bishop Montgomery, which was a private high school, but we couldn't afford it. So I ended up at a public high school and I just gave up. I couldn't go to my private high school with all my friends from grade school. I couldn't ice skate anymore. I didn't know anybody at this high school, not one person. I didn't have my parents. I didn't have a unit and I already didn't have that. And now just everything in my story was it all fell apart. And so I decided okay, nobody cares what I do. So I don't care what I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that makes any sense. But as a child, that's how I felt, you know, like, well, if you don't care, then I'm not going to care. You know, if you're going to hurt me, I'll hurt me, you know? So I just kind of gave up. I did, I did okay. My freshman, sophomore year, but we didn't have any money and my dad wasn't giving me a dime. So I got a full-time job in high school and I worked at this Clark drugs full-time. So I leaves high school, two o'clock, go to work. And then I'd walk home every night at 11 o'clock. And I did this every day, you know, and that's how I made money. I was able to buy my own, my car. The day I turned 16, I bought a car, got my license. I became super, super independent. Senior year, I just barely went to school. I just barely applied myself. And so government, I think the class was government. I'm almost positive. And what I remember is I had an F and you can't graduate if you don't pass government. And so I went to the teacher and I said, Hey, you know, I'd really like it if you could give me a D minus so I can graduate. He said, you've never been to this class. You've never showed up. How can I give you a D minus when I don't even know you, you didn't do any of the work. I said, okay, give me an assignment. If I do the assignment, will you give me a D minus? And he kind of in a sarcastic way said, okay, write a 3000 page report about everything we covered for the year. And I said, okay. And I went home and I stayed up all night and I wrote this entire report. I went through the entire book and wrote a report on every chapter in that book and turned it in. And he gave me a D minus and I should have never graduated high school. And that's how I graduated. I, I, last minute was last minute, you know, it wasn't because I wasn't smart. I just didn't apply myself. And I, by the way, I didn't know that, you know, I really thought that there might be something wrong with my, you know, that I wasn't smart, but you know, later on I would find out that I'm actually very smart and I just didn't apply myself. And so I graduated, barely graduated. And so how that really translated into business was, you know, I have a lot of street smarts because I was working at a very young age and became very independent and figured things out on my own. I figured out how to get car insurance. I figured out how to take care of my car. Nobody taught me these things. I figured this all out. And I know they sound very minor, minute, but they're, they're huge really, because they kept me, you know, it, it kind of, you become an adult too young. And that's what was happening to me. I was just becoming an adult too young. And I didn't have, I had that independence, but I didn't have the emotional independence to go along with it emotionally, I was like 10, but I had this, you know, independence of like a 
21 year old in high school. And so in business, I did come up with the catchphrase, no means maybe, because I remembered that scenario in high school, that no is not the end all, and that you can talk your way. If you're super passionate about something, you can get by, right? You can slide by. And I I cheated the system really, because I should not have graduated. And he should have kept said, no, you didn't take a test. You didn't do this. No. But because I was so passionate about it, I got the D minus and I passed. And so when I started uh, in the business I'm in now, when I started to pick up the phone to make sales calls, I got so many no's. And I remember I would write on my yellow pad in big letters, no means maybe. And that's what I would put out there. And so maybe I got a no today, but two months from now, I guarantee that no will turn into a maybe or a yes. And so I remember I called somebody, he was my first client actually, and he didn't want to switch to use me. And I said, let me just do an audit. And he kept saying no, kept saying no. And I called him the following week and he was like, Deborah, I said no. And I said, let me just do an audit. What's the big deal? I said, if anything, if I can save you money, that's a great, that would be great for you. And I said, I just have this feeling I'm going to be able to save you a lot of money on your premiums. Sure enough, he let me do the audit. I was able to save him 22% on his premiums. And I said, now you have to switch. You have to let me handle you from now on. You need to be my client and refer me business, please. And he did. And you know what he would tell people? Just do it. She's not going to leave you alone. And he became my biggest (laughs) fan. I created a raving fan because he was telling everybody, just do business with her. And so I think that that's really important in business and in sales to not take it personally or not take no as the final, final, final. In some regards, you have to, but in business, I always kind of put it over here to the side and I go, okay, that's no today, but I'm going to come back to that. And everything always comes full circle. A lot of those people came back around. And by the way, even if they didn't do business with me, they would text me and say, are you still doing life insurance? And I'd say, yes. And they'd go, oh, great. Cause I have, I have somebody that I want to refer you to. Let's fast forward now to today. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what you do now. I know you're, you're in the insurance game, but I don't know what kind of insurance you sell. Yeah, so I sell life insurance. What do I really do is I help protect people from unexpected life events. And I do that using life insurance. I also am in the life settlement space, you know, because we have clients that as they get older, that might want to sell their policy to the secondary market. I really work with probably, I would say 60% of my business is in the entertainment business because of my background. I've already had established those relationships. And so I called all those people and said, I really need for you to become my client. The good news is because I had those relationships, they were willing to introduce me to business managers, producers, and, and in the entertainment world, you know, when, when uh, people go on tour or they sign to do a show, they do need insurance. And so that kind of came easy in that regard. And then we don't really do anything under 5 million. So our brokerage is small. We're in Beverly Hills, New York, Virginia, West Palm Beach, and Austin, Texas. And, and we're licensed. So I'm not captive to one carrier. I'm licensed with all carriers. And I really mainly work with business managers. So that's kind of my little niche for people that are going to go, like I said, on tour or do a show or whatever. That's most of my business. And so we're really known also, our brokerage is known for handling cases that are really hard. So 
Ozzy Osborne is a client of our firm. He's not my client directly, but he's a client because he had to get insurance when he started that reality show back 10 years ago, whatever it was. And so when when we get those calls, like we're trying to insure this person, but they're really hard to insure, we get the that we're the we're the company that gets that call. So that's basically what I do. During the pandemic, we slowed down quite a bit because the insurance companies got a little scared and decided that they weren't going to insure anybody 60, 65 and over at, you know, and so we, last year was a very slow year for us. It was kind of like the first year for me where I was like, okay, you know, things aren't moving as quickly as they used to. And that's okay. So I decided to write a book and I wrote a book during the pandemic. And now I'm just trying to decide if I'm going to self-publish it or go through an agent. And that's where that sits right now. I'm working on a couple of different projects. During the pandemic, I was in a group where we were innovating and trying to come up with things because that's the time to really innovate, right? When things are going bad, you know, when winter's here, it's like, okay, what can we do during this time to really up our games? When it comes to uh, life insurance, I guess, uh, you know, people are, they're facing a difficult decision. What, what are some of the harder questions you get when you're talking to people about that. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's a, it's a funny subject because it is so personal, but the goal is to set your family up so that they're protected in the event that something happens. That's the goal of, that was the goal of life insurance. How life insurance really started was in the late 1800s, the shipping companies, when they would take all their goods, like art, expensive art and expensive jewelry and expensive furniture and all that. And they would try to take it on a vessel. And sometimes that vessel would make it and sometimes it wouldn't. So they'd lose all this stuff. And somebody came up with Lloyd's of London came up with the idea to insure the goods, right? Insure this process. And what came out of that was, well, if we can insure the process of the goods being insured, you know, kind of like homeowners insurance. But back then it was like they were insuring the goods to make sure they had a safe journey. I said, we can insure people. And that's basically how the insurance business started. They were like, well, if we're going to insure the goods, we we should insure like key man almost like, well, let's insure the ship and the people on the ship too, you know, and the families and protect these families. And so that was really, and then, you know, with war and everything, that was a huge deal. So unexpected life events are going to happen. And it's good to have insurance, especially if you have kids and especially if somebody's a full-time parent and you lose. And then of course, in business, if I start a business with you and we're both bringing in 50% of the revenue and something happens to one of us, you just lost 50% of your revenue. Wouldn't you want to have key man insurance and insure that? Well, I, I think that's that's all I have for you. I want to thank you for taking this time. Very happy that uh, we were able to connect through that. Facebook. See, I knew the life insurance would bore you. You're like, okay, that's it. We're out of time. <laughs> well, if there's anybody listening who uh, needs the kind of services that you provide, um, I hope they'll get in touch. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I, most of my journey is on Instagram and, and obviously I'm on LinkedIn for business at Deborah Driggs. And, and then my book journey is all going to be on Instagram. Yay. And I, I'm looking forward to getting your book. Please be sure and send it to me. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was a wonderful conversation and I really enjoyed being here and good luck to everything that you're doing. You too. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you, as always, to Jim Cirillo at jimmyimgroup.com for our original podcast music, to my daughter Rachel Greenberger for our original podcast art. Please send any questions you may have to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at WTSWTGT. Until next time, always be positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.